Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. The other day, that senior statesman, Joe Biden, was, if you will, draping himself in the American flag and words of the founders in order to launch his campaign to war against the deeds, the intents of the founders. And the day before that, there was an article in the Daily Signal, which you may care to take a look at. It's entitled Trump's State Visit to UK, Part of Observances of D-Day Anniversary by Ted Bromont. I'm only going to quote a couple lines from it. The first one, which was just generically in the press, and that was, the White House announced Tuesday that it has accepted an invitation from Queen Elizabeth II for President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump to make a state visit to the United Kingdom. And then... Quote, the president's visit June 3rd to 5 will come as part of commemorations of D-Day, the Allied invasion of German-occupied France that began the liberation of Europe in 1944. But it is also an important opportunity to reaffirm the special relationship between the United Kingdom and the United States, end quote. Mr. Broman goes on to explain what is special about a state visit and so on and so forth. What is special about this to me is this special relationship and the significance of it. And the significance for me is this, is that if you want to see the United States of America's future, if you want to see the United States of America Ten years from now, five years from now, two years from now, look at the U.K., look at the United Kingdom, look at Britain. Because as terribly far gone as the United States of America truly is, the U.K. is even further gone, as is the E.U. And... This is one thing that makes this whole Brexit brouhaha rather academic. Is that, yes, it's true that the EU has been, the European Union has been, in essence, a de facto ruler over Britain. Since Britain has been part of, a member of the European Union. And all of the other fool nations that foolishly combined in the European Union, those many of which, most of which, those on the continent, which surrendered their currencies and what have you and other things. But the thing about this whole Brexit brouhaha 
that renders it academic is that so very, very, very much of the destruction of Britain has been British. Yes, European Union has been making things worse, exacerbating the problems, preventing Britain from exercising its own judgment, prerogative sovereignty with reference to whom may enter the nation, whom may stay there, and so on and so forth. But at the core, at the foundation, the British problems are Britain's making, including their membership in the EU. Now, as I mentioned in the previous program, there are these protests going on over there across the pond in Britain, and (laughs) they are the work of the so-called Extinction Rebellion. Well, there is an extinction coming, all right, but it's not from global climate change. It's not from so-called global warming. There are cyclical differences, cyclical changes in the climate and the weather on this earth. That's historical. But the idea that it's, oh, it's man-made and that by government, massive government interference, command and control, shutting down, effectively shutting down industry, that that will solve it is such utter, utter nonsense. And again, the great polluters are ones that will not be reined in by any number of regulations that happen to be insisted upon and enforced in Britain, in European Union, in the United States of America. The great polluters are communist China, India, and so forth. But anyway, this Extinction Rebellion, those who are involved with it who are not aware of what's really going on, (laughs) not the ones behind the scenes, behind the screen, not the ones controlling things, but instead the ones out there (laughs) gaining all of the attention. They will be shocked, startled, astonished, amazed when they find that, lo and behold, the extinction that they need to be concerned about is something vastly different and is, in fact, the work of those behind the screen. And so these wonderkints, you know, like Greta Thunberg, who, whom many of these high and mighty ones would like to see receive the Nobel Peace Prize in order to put forth their agenda. Oh, yes, we must war against climate change. Anyway, they will be shocked when they discover that extinction is coming, but it's coming from a worldwide regime that is soon to hit the scene. But with reference to climate change, and I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be confining this to the UK as soon as I finish with this. 
but a co-founder of Greenpeace. I don't know what your thoughts on Greenpeace are, how you view that organization, but it morphed from an environmental champion, champion of the sea life and creatures and so on and so forth, into an increasingly leftist, activist, political organization. And this one fellow, Patrick Moore, a Canadian ecologist, he was one of the founders of Greenpeace, and he was on board all the way from 1971 through 1986. But he testified before the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee back in February 2014, that (laughs) he gave some of the reasons that he left Greenpeace, and he spoke regarding global climate change, a.k.a. global warming. And he stated that groups like Greenpeace, not just Greenpeace, but groups like that, Groups like the Extinction, (laughs) the Extinction Group, yes, even that wonderful, wonderful organization, Extinction Rebellion, which is only, you know, what is it, a year old or whatever, but Greenpeace and Extinction Rebellion and these others, that lo and behold, They use faulty computer models and scare tactics in further promoting a political leftist, extreme leftist, socialist agenda. Quote, there is no scientific proof that human emissions of carbon dioxide are the dominant cause of the minor warming of the Earth's atmosphere over the past 100 years. End quote. Quote, it is important to recognize in the face of dire predictions about a two-degree Celsius rise in global average temperatures that humans are a tropical species. We evolved at the equator in a climate where freezing weather did not exist. The only reasons we can survive these cold climates are fire, clothing, and housing. The fact that we had both higher temperatures and an ice age at a time when carbon dioxide emissions were 10 times higher than they are today fundamentally contradicts the certainty that human-caused carbon dioxide emissions are the main cause of global warming. End quote. Now, (laughs) this fellow is not a man after my own heart. He believes in Darwinian evolution, okay? (laughs) So we're not exactly joined at the hip. But here, this man who is 
an ecologist, a man who is a founder of Greenpeace, even he could no longer put up with what was happening with Greenpeace, with what it was becoming, with how it was operating, with how dishonestly, intellectually, dishonestly, and shoddily, and deliberately dishonestly it was operating. Quote, After 15 years in the top committee, I had to leave as Greenpeace took a sharp turn to the political left and began to adopt policies that I could not accept from my scientific perspective. Climate change was not an issue when I abandoned Greenpeace, but it certainly is now. End quote. Uh, just, just tremendous. But uh, interestingly, too, going back to 2014, there was a United Nations report that stated that over a 15-year period of time, there had not been any increase in global surface temperatures. Oh, but we've got Extinction Rebellion to demand that Parliament do this and that. And to demand the same things in the EU and everywhere else. It's just great political theater, isn't it? As I've mentioned before, with regard to the great political schemers, the social engineers who are intent on enslaving and destroying this world, not under an Islamist regime, they will very gladly use Islamist terror, allow Islamist terror to flourish in order to further their agenda. But it will not be enslaved under Islamist terror. No. No, the worldwide regime that's coming will be fascist or communist, it will be socialist. But above all, it will be authoritarian, totalitarian dictatorship. Whichever brand it happens to claim to be, that's at the root. Socialism is just a tool. It is an ideological tool of the evil, of Satan and his followers. Yes, there is a Satan. Yes, Virginia, there is a Satan. But speaking of the UK and its wonderful advances in thinking about everything, let me just share a few little excerpts gleaned over the years. And here, one story from 2011. Oh, I know that's ancient history, folks. But <laughs> A couple warned by police after their children picked daffodils from a Dorset park have said that they did not know their daughters were committing a crime. <laughs> of course they didn't. How could they not know that their children were committing a crime. Well, Jane Arrington and Mark Marengo 
were out with their children in White Cliff Park and officers, police officers, visited them, paid them a visit. The children were upset following this wonderful, benevolent, beneficent visit from the police to this family on Sunday. Counselor Peter Adams, that's right, counselor, as in politician, counselor Peter Adams, whose home overlooks the park, said that the daffodils were for the people of Poole and a proper response by the police had been taken. Amazing that he would say that, isn't it? What just so happens that the call to the police came from his household. (laughs) And he's a conservative counselor, or he was back then. And they claimed in their call to the police, they claimed that these children had picked about 80 bunches of flowers. Well, the mother of the children, these 10-year-old India six-year-old Olivia, and four-year-old Sienna. Three little girls, sisters, ten years old, six years old, and four years old had committed this crime that this conservative counselor had to call in the police about on a Sunday. I ask you, is he fit to serve in any capacity of any kind, anywhere, anytime. The mother said the following, quote, We have all picked up flowers and made daisy chains, and we thought that's what they were doing. They were not ripping up bunches and bunches. They are little girls with tiny little hands. And she said the girls had picked about 20 daffodils, about 20 flowers, whereas this counselor had claimed they had ripped up 80 bunches of daffodils. But leave it to the police to respond to this call and to go confront this family. The officers had to advise her that by the law it was criminal damage. (laughs) It's just wonderful. Uh, Again, this is from the UK, from the enlightened, modern United Kingdom, Britain. Oh, but surely, surely that is the only instance of anything like that. Surely that never happens any other time. Well... Perhaps, but here's another case two years later. (laughs) Officers, police officers, reportedly reprimanded Lily Allen, 10 years of age, earlier this week, saying that the traditional games outline that she drew on the pavement was akin to criminal damage. What was that traditional game? It was hopscotch. What did she do on the pavement of the street? She used white chalk 
to outline a hopscotch uh, game. And two police officers drove up and confronted her, accosted her, issued her a warning as she played hopscotch directly outside of her home in Ramsgate, Kent. And, of course, rain washes away the chalk, but, oh, this was terrible, terrible. Oh, a blight on the community for her to do this terrible thing. Yes, clearly vandalism. To use white chalk on the road directly in front of her house, in the bike lane or whatever, to lay out a hopscotch pattern. They told her it was illegal to draw on the floor, as they described it, as it was criminal damage. (laughs) Oh, well. And then from the police spokesman, from the circumstances described, it would not appear to have been necessary to advise the young girl that chalking a hopscotch grid may be criminal damage and illegal. It would not appear to be necessary, but clearly he's still saying that it's criminal damage and illegal. This is UK police, okay? Law enforcement. Meanwhile, from a champion of women's rights, a woman lawyer with a heart after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, clearly a woman that has been inspired by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a barrister in London, Barbara Hewson, Barbara Hewson, who specializes in reproductive rights, in women's reproductive rights. Yes. She has called back then, this was 2013, we are six years later now, she called for the age of legal consent to be lowered from 16 years of age to 13 years of age expressly to stop the persecution of old men. Old men like 30-year-olds, 20-somethings, 40-year-olds, and so forth, in the wake of a certain sex abuse rape scandal. Yes, She also stated that uh, this one disgraced celebrity was only guilty of low-level misdemeanors. Yes, multiple rapes of children, children as young as nine years of age, and she called them low-level misdemeanors. Barbara Hewson, senior barrister, a senior barrister at Hardwick Chambers in London. And she went on to defend her statements and so on and so forth after the fact. But, oh well. What do you expect from a woman lawyer 
who happens to be a senior barrister, okay, high standing at Hardwick Chambers in London, who specializes in reproductive rights, even though, yes, she also has other expertise. But to call for lowering the age of sexual consent from 16 years of age for girls to 13 years of age so that those who prey upon them will not be persecuted. It is remarkably, breathtakingly, along the lines of dear Ruth Bader Ginsburg, some have said, well, no, she wasn't the one responsible for saying that prostitution should be legal in the United States of America for females as young as 12 years of age. No, that wasn't her. And yet she was in charge of the report, in charge of the report that that uh, championed that. But she wasn't responsible. She hadn't read that. She didn't know that. And she was one of the two authors of that report long ago. Yes, about changing the legal code here in the United States of America. It would be just so wonderful. Well, now she has others like this wonderful, youthful woman following bravely in her footsteps. And this one fellow, 41-year-old pedophile, Neil Wilson, he walked free from court with an eight-month suspended sentence for seducing, seduction, raping, use what term you want, a girl who was very much underage, 13 years of age, 14 years of age. <laughs> there, were, there were several that were being spoken of at the same time and so forth. But what was fascinating to me in a horrific way was that the judge that let him walk, gave him suspended sentence after finding him guilty, the judge and the prosecutor put all of the blame on the girl. And they claimed that she was a predator, not him. Wonderful stuff from the UK. Okay, what else in the UK? Oh, how about promoting lowering the voting age to 16 years of age because after all that will certainly result in better selections of our congressmen, senators, governors, presidents and referendums and what have you. Correct? Let's lower the age to 16. Just like Sadiq Khan who was Labour Member of Parliament for Tutine. Yes, there is such a place as Tutine. Uh, that was back in 2013. Yes, championing that. Outstanding work. Before I go any further, let me just say I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right, good, true in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ, whatever is lacking, erring, that is due to me. 
What else is the wonderful UK government up to? The wonderful UK parliament up to? Well, how about shutting down an outstanding Christian school? Shutting it down permanently. Because investigators who were very, very aggressively adversarial and simply seeking any straw to grasp as reason to shut this place down, that they were not satisfied with what one boy whom they questioned whom they interrogated, had to say about Islam. Another was not satisfied that the children, 10-year-olds, seemingly, were not sufficiently well-informed concerning what it is lesbians do with one another, (laughs) sexually. Oh, these are extremely compelling reasons to shut this school down. And the report stated that the school placed too much emphasis on religious credentials when hiring staff. Absolutely. They should have been hiring non-believers. They should have been hiring atheists, agnostics, anti-Christians, so forth. That would have been praiseworthy. But they were insisting on hiring people that they believed were actually genuine Christians. The report stated, quote, leaders are failing to prepare students for life in modern Britain, end quote. Get that. Modern, corrupted, corrosive, perverted ruined, destroyed Britain. They were not sufficiently preparing students for life under the boot of the police state in Britain. But a police state which only asserts its power against the gentle, the kind, the children, the families, the genuine families, the legitimate families, as compared to the newly defined families, the Christians, not the Muslims, the Christians, not the Islamists, not even the Islamist terrorists, but the Christians, this is whom the powers of the state are brought against in the new, brave new Britain. And again, it didn't just start yesterday, and these stories are from 2011, 2013, and so forth. But this one from 2015, only four years ago. Well, the school's Christian ethos made this school a target for these officials. You know, officials like the counselor that called the police on the three little girls, 10, 6, and 4, same caliber of people here. The Christian values, Christian principles, 
Christian morals, Christian mores, Christian ethos made this Christian school an easy target for officials who wanted to show that they were promoting the British government's diversity agenda. Yes. Going back in time, (laughs) from 2016, well, let's start with 2019. 2019 to 2009, to 1999 to 1994 is that 25 years to 1993 and 1992 I started broadcasting about what I encountered from sodomite activists who were creating television programs, three or four different series of television programs, and what they referred to as bicycling them to public access stations, prominent public access stations around the world, around the country, I should say, pardon me, around the United States of America, our own little world. So I started broadcasting concerning some major themes of theirs and the lies behind the themes. One of the themes was that one in ten in the population was sodomite, which, interestingly enough, even years ago, back when San Francisco was the capital of sodomite activism in the U.S. of A., uh, according to statistics, it amounted to one to two percent. But they were saying that ten percent of the United States population was sodomite. Of course, they didn't refer to themselves as sodomite. And they were promoting what was their agenda. What was the sodomite agenda? It was depth and diversity. Depth and diversity, which I coined dearth and perversity, which is what it was. A dearth of righteousness, of godliness, of honor, of nobility, of decency, of goodness and a great depth of perversity, depravity. Another thing that I was broadcasting against was the evil of rap, so-called music. So-called music, but noise beats to commit vicious, ruthless, violent crime by. Rap music, rape music, murder music. But all of this time has passed, and guess what? Well, I have not been on the air on any, uh, prof- in any professional capacity on any you know, paid gig <laughs> to communicate the truth. But lo and behold, it's all been shown to be true. Another Christian school which had some of the best exam results anywhere in the area. Grindon Hall Christian School. It was placed under, quote, special measures, end quote, and was told that it had to improve. This after, again, these inspectors, they ruled that a a 10-year-old 
did not know what lesbians did sexually with each other. Yes. Well, these November 2014 investigations, they featured hostile investigation tactics. And the report included 13 errors of fact, 13 factual errors. Quote from the director of the Christian Institute, quote, for Ofsted to give the best performing state school in the area its worst possible rating. The worst possible, the lowest rating that it could give, it gave to the best performing school. That defies common sense. Additionally, the report, interestingly enough, chose to sanitize itself slightly, removing a statement which decried the school's Christian ethos, the Christian values, the Christian mores. They removed that from their final report because it showed their grievous, vicious, anti-Christian bias. But, anyway. Meanwhile, same time as this, an official sodomite gay school featured on pandering to LGBT students, which is now LGBTQ, Q for queer, it opened in the UK even while these Christian schools were being shut down. But again, this is the UK, the UK SA, the UK USA, our special relationship with the UK. Yes. Well, back in 2013, again, wonderful big brother, big sister government was going after schools, Christian schools, for doing the unthinkable. And that is banning the promotion of homosexuality. Ten years after <laughs> that, was, that practice was abolished, Yes, terrible. Well, shortly after becoming the Tory leader, David Cameron apologized for his party's previous role in supporting this provision, Section 28, which banned the promotion of homosexuality, male and female, sodomy. He apologized for his party's previous role, its grievous role in supporting this terrible, odious Section 28. And he proudly stated that he had overseen a change in the law to push sodomite so-called marriage. Yes. 
Well, these terrible schools that are so grievously failing (laughs) to abide by government policy, what were they guilty of doing? The following, quote, Objective discussion of homosexuality may take place in the classroom, including discussion of homophobic behavior. But the governing body will not permit the promotion of homosexuality. So they could discuss in these Christian schools, their Christian ethos are a bit below mine, they could discuss, openly discuss, objectively discuss homosexual acts, homosexual practice in these children's classrooms and could discuss so-called homophobic behavior reactions. But they could not permit the promotion, the outright promotion the advocacy, the championing of homosexuality. And so, dear Tory leader David Cameron is ashamed of that disgraceful, disgraceful behavior. Well, the plans, the first plans, that were outlined to legalize sodomite pseudo-marriage. They came out in 2012. But uh, it would be legal in England, Wales, Scotland had its own proposal. Yes, very exciting. Great stuff. So their initial plans preceded the adoption of of that here in the United States of America by the wonderful Supreme Court. But, uh, again, UK tends to lead the U.S. of A. Yes, it's wonderful. Meanwhile, I mentioned before about Brunei, about its harsh new Sharia laws, and the British government decrying them punishing sodomites. Interestingly enough, Britain did not decry execution of Christians who were accused of punish, pardon me, accused of insulting Muhammad, the false prophet Muhammad. That's right. So Britain was in a dither and in a lather about Brunei instituting these new Sharia laws that would allow for execution of sodomites and adulterers and adulterers, or at least those who are accused of the same, (laughs) convicted of the same. But... Britain had no concern for those who were accused of, convicted, and executed for insulting the Prophet Muhammad. Remarkable. But that's the UK. 
the wonderful UK, the pro-Islamist UK, staunchly pro-Islamist UK, speaking of that, going back to 2014. And just before I say that, let me just add again, it takes nothing to bring accusation, charges of insulting the so-called Prophet Muhammad. Takes nothing to do that. One wonderful Christian woman in Pakistan was accused, convicted, sentenced to be executed, was imprisoned under horrendous, horrendous, horrible conditions for many, many, many years. And her conviction was finally overturned. But again, for purportedly insulting the prophet Muhammad, the evil satanic false prophet Muhammad, responsible for the evil satanic false religion of Islam. But meanwhile, back in the UK, Britain's first trial for female genital mutilation took place five years ago. And it stirred a national controversy. Well, where do things like this take place? Female genital mutilation. It's a little bit of a loaded question. (laughs) But to put it, because it takes place in many parts of the world, but it only takes place where there is Islam. It only takes place among Islamists. It is standard operating procedure in many Muslim communities. But especially, notably, in Africa, where it is commonplace. It is vicious. It is sadistic. It is satanic. It is monstrous and hellish. And it typically, frequently, is not a, just a one-time event, but has repetitive instances for a given woman. And the girls that don't die from it, don't bleed to death, don't die from infection, the girls that don't die, they can look forward to a monstrous life of vicious abuse and pain and suffering and what have you. But the shocking thing, truly, the most shocking thing of all to me is that then in so many cases, women who have suffered this as girls and on through (laughs) their later years are then used to inflict this on other girls. Oh, but Islam is so wonderful. It's so wonderful. They're in the UK. It's just wonderful. But this goes on in the UK. That's right. Mm. So, Interesting little uh, development there is that 
Muslim and others, perhaps Hindu, (laughs) Buddhist, whatever, but particularly Muslim families leaving the UK for vacation, going back home, whether it happens to be to the Middle East, the Far East, what have you, whether they happen to be Muslim or Hindu. Interestingly enough, teenage girls are taking to hiding metal objects such as spoons in their underwear to set off airport metal detectors so that they will be kept from making these trips because they are terrified of, horrified at the prospect of being forced into arranged marriages, so-called marriages and marriages. Oh, but Islam is so wonderful. Hinduism is so wonderful. I mean, these things are just so great. They just really lift up women. They honor women, you know. They really are just so good for women uh, in every way, shape, and form, whether it's a matter of these women <laughs> be, being used as as slaves, as concubines, as, you know, all of these other wonderful things. But, oh, Britain, oh, it's a champion of Islam, champion of Hinduism, but Christianity, terrible, loathsome Christianity. The only development in history that lifted up women. (laughs) Jewry and especially Christianity that lifted up women, that honored women. Small wonder that they war against it. Meanwhile, and I will, this will be continuing on into the next program that I do pertaining to the wonderful UK, is this case. The ministers, British ministers, not to be confused with pastors and so forth, these are politicians, are powerless to deport a convicted foreign terrorist bomber, Islamist terrorist bomber. Why? Well, because even though he has lost a legal battle that went on for 12 years, they allowed it to drag on for 12 years through their outstanding court system, he who had committed terrorist bombings in Algeria, They can't deport him because it would breach his human rights. His human rights. He doesn't have human rights, okay? (laughs) He lost his human rights when he waged terrorist war against innocent people. But no, in Britain, even though... Why did they engage in this 12-year court battle to deport him if then they, after winning the court battle, they say, we can't deport him because that would violate his human rights? Just extraordinary. But, (laughs) yes, the Algerian terrorists' case provides a further example of how terrorists and other extremists, a.k.a. terrorists, are able to frustrate deportation measures for years and years and years at the British taxpayer's expense. Yes. Oh, well. 
even though France was able to expel him. Okay, so he fled to France and then to the UK. Yes. But we should follow the UK. How many times have you heard various leftists saying that we should imitate Britain, Canada, UK, British Commonwealth, what have you? We should imitate them because they have it right. They are so advanced. They are ahead of us. We need to adopt their policies, their measures. Well, guess what? We continue to do that. It's just a matter of time. We are just lagging behind, but we are following them down this something other than yellow brick road to our destruction. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.